Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Durham is experiencing its most rapid growth in decades, and I'm told it's Durham's still population is expected to more than double in the next 25 years, and much of the growth and development is happening right here in downtown. Durham is a, has two narratives. We are a city that's ascendant and emergent, and it's all true, all the great things they say about us, but less than two miles uh, from our city center, there are kids who jump in bathtubs at night when it's not bath time because of gunfire. The gun violence is horrible. As somebody who lives in this community, as the mother of black children, certainly it is something that I think about a lot. Durham's a great place, but Durham's a violent place. And a lot of people don't come to Durham because of the violence. And they don't want to put their children in the middle of the violence or be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And we don't see any apparent proactive measure to try to deter or stop. There's not gonna be a magic wand that we can wave because these things, they've been going on. They've been happening over time. The question becomes, what are we gonna do different? Those are voices of some of Durham's elected leaders, past and present, about the gun violence that plagues the city. I'm WRAL investigative documentary reporter Kristen Severance, and this is the fourth and final episode of the companion podcast to WRAL's documentary, Durham Under Fire. If you haven't seen it, make sure you check it out at WRALdocumentary.com and on WRAL's YouTube page. Today, I talk with Durham officials, including the mayor, district attorney, council member, and a former Durham County Sheriff about the root causes of the violence and what they say is being done and not done to address it. Mark Anthony Middleton is Durham's mayor pro tempore. That's kind of like the vice mayor and a member of the city council. As an elected official, I'm a brand ambassador for Durham, which means I've drunk all the Kool-Aid. I believe everything about the city. We're the second best place to live in the country, one of the highest per capita PhD rates. We've got the best theater between Atlanta and New York, startup capital of the South, foodie destination. All those things, the pamphlet Durham, as I call it, the forward-facing Durham, it's all true. But I also know that we've got 20% poverty in our city. There are families and children who nightly hear gunfire in our city. I asked Councilman Middleton what city council could do about the gun violence. He talked about the Marshall Plan. It was used to help rebuild Europe after World War II. He wants a municipal-type Marshall Plan to invest in infrastructure and opportunity. Most people that have jobs, have something going on in their life, don't pick up guns and commit crime. That's general, but mo most, most of this is about lack of opportunity, failing educational uh, attainment, and all of this stuff cascades and connects. So how would putting money into some of these neighborhoods you mentioned, how would that stop gun violence? Well, we have to think about the root causes for gun violence. I mean, aside from folk just being really angry and having anger management issues, guns are often the tools of alternative economies. They're tools of a trade. 
And, and oftentimes our young, listen, I grew up in what was considered the crack capital of America, Red Hook, Brooklyn. I've been in Durham now almost 30 years, so they've taken away my New York card. But, but in another point in my life, I grew up in the crack capital. Guns were attendant to the commerce of crack and drugs. And oftentimes folk got into drugs in that, that alternative economy because they weren't being hired downtown. Perhaps they didn't finish high school, so they didn't have the, the skills or a diploma, difficulty filling out applications, those skills. But yet that does not negate the need to eat, the need to sleep somewhere. Uh, so, so when you're faced with all of the challenges and needs of life, shelter, food, clothes, taking care of children, and you see limited ways to get money legally, you still need that money and you're going to come up with creative calculus. And I think guns oftentimes attend the creative calculus that people have to engage in to live their lives, a life of dignity and a life of safety. So when I say infuse funds, I'm not talking about buying guns. I'm talking about literally creating an ecosystem and creating a context of opportunity where guns become a ridiculous proposition because needing to engage in creative calculus to feed my children is no longer necessary because I'm fully participating in this robust economy. And Durham's doing well. Our city's in the black. There's a lot of money in Durham, but our economy is walled off to a lot of people. They're spectating, they're looking, they're on the outside looking in less than two miles from here. Everyone I spoke with agreed that gangs are a part of the gun violence problem in Durham. But how much of the violence is gang-related is not entirely clear. Any, any, any sentient American that's paying attention knows that we have a gun problem. When we see school shootings, mass shootings in malls and schools in America, do we think gangs? We know that there's a gun problem. And, and insofar as there's a gun problem and Durham is an American city, I'm not going to artificially you know, extricate or excise Durham from the rest of the country. There's a lot of guns, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of hatred, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. So I have to be responsible uh, in, in what I say. We have a gang problem in Durham. Is it the majority of our shootings in Durham, in an American city where there's domestic issues, just like any other country, where there's mental health issues, just like any other city, rather, in the country? You know, I can't authoritatively say that all, the majority of our gun violence in Durham is gang related. But I can say and with certainty, we have a gang. Listen, whatever the percentage is, it's too much. Because that means that there are young people, rather than picking up books and calculators and trombones and clarinets and footballs and basketballs, are picking up Glocks and Six Hours and, 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 and weapons. That's not good. Any percentage is unacceptable. Coming up after the break. There's not a one-person solution for this, nor is it a one city council. If that was the case, it would have been done by now. We'll hear from Mayor of Durham, Elaine O'Neill. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Elaine O'Neill was elected in November 2021. As mayor of the city of Durham. So help me God. So help me God. All right, new tonight. That was former Judge Elaine O'Neill making history tonight as the first black female mayor of the Bull City. Just a couple of hours ago, Durham's new mayor laid out her plans to tackle major issues in the city. Already Among the issues on top of her list, violent crime. She told me that as a district court judge in Durham, a lot of cases that came before her involved violent crimes. I've seen a lot of it. I think that's one of the things that led me to running uh, for mayor was the fact that I never forgot. I've never forgotten. Some things you just never forget. And I lost so many uh, young people on my caseload and throughout that career. It got to the point where I couldn't remember their names. And that was very bothersome for me. But there was one week in particular that kind of changed the course of my life in the judiciary. And that's when I lost three kids on my caseload. Um, Jerry Melvin, William Rochelle and Anthony Lee. And they all perished in one week right here in Durham. Uh, one was actually killed by another kid on my caseload. And yes, that happened in one week. Mayor O'Neill sees violence as a deeply rooted problem. We cannot expect for people who have been marginalized and oppressed for most of their lives and some for generations to all of a sudden know what it's like to transcend into middle class lifestyle. Because that's what most people want you to do when they talk about stop violent crime. Go get a job, get a house, raise your kids, and live that kind of life. Go to the beach, go to the mountains, you know? That's, that's what you hope for. Well, what about when you've never even been outside of Durham? What about if you've never been to the beach? What about if you've never owned, known anybody that owns a house? So we make a lot of uh, assumptions that people know how to do these things or have the capacity to change behaviors. That's not so for a lot of people who have been oppressed and in low wealth communities, right? So we have to find a way to make sure that people have a path to cross cultures. Most African-Americans, unless you have been born of wealth as an African-American, we have to learn how to cross cultures in order to make a living. I got that from church. I learned public speaking and from my community, right? But as 
middle class black folks kind of became more fluent, a lot of people left the hood and they never come, they never went back. So those kind of natural ways of teaching people how to cross cultures, it was lost. And so what I would end up seeing down in court is you, you may see three generations of a family and they will be in different courtrooms because that became a pattern. And people didn't know how to break it because they hadn't seen anyone else. So we have to begin to see people as human, to try to understand that there are some needs that folk have in learning new ways of living. And how do we make sure that they have the pathway and the means and the know-how to live differently and to be successful at that? Mayor O'Neill and Councilman Middleton have both been vocal about their support for funding to address root cause issues, including more mental health services, education, and healthcare funding. They've also been vocal about their support for the police and believe the police play a crucial role in helping keep communities safer. I'm not interested in having SWAT teams rove through black and brown neighborhoods, rounding folk up via dragnet, but the ability to respond to emergencies and to investigate and to apprehend folk, particularly who are repeat offenders, who, who, who shoot guns repeatedly in our streets, and there are some people here who do that, it's important that those folk are, are, are dealt with. Um, it's important that, that victims of crime have some semblance, if not of justice, of accountability. So they're very important. The other thing is, as a growing city, there's almost 300,000 people here, Durham's a growing city. From a management point of view, as a government official, I need to have the ability to send all types of responses to the appropriate situations. And sometimes, you know, if my city center is being stormed or this building is being stormed by white supremacists, we need to have a robust government response. But we also need to be able to send people who will keep people alive, who are trained to deal with folks that are in mental distress, that are trained to deal with folks who, who are having life issues, uh, quality of life issues. They're homeless. They don't need to be arrested. Uh, they need to be put into a, a, a track where they can get something, uh, a place to stay. Another approach to stemming gun violence deaths that Councilman Middleton supports is ShotSpotter. Heated debate at the Durham City Council budget meeting today led to tears, even personal insults. The source of the controversy, a gunshot detective technology called ShotSpotter. ShotSpotter is used around the country with mixed reviews, some claiming the technology helped police seize guns and make arrests, others saying it is ineffective and leads to unnecessary encounters with police. And that's not the only strategy being explored in Durham that's causing a controversy. Breaking news, an active crime scene in Durham right now. On the same night, we were hearing from Durham Mayor Elaine O'Neill reacting to the surge in gun violence. At least 10 people were shot during the past week in the Bull City. Three of them died. Mayor O'Neill says violence is a community issue that warrants a community response. What we hope to do, though, differently in Durham is to bring more of a community perspective in terms of interacting directly with some of the folks who are most affected by it. That includes talking with gang members to try to work with them to reduce violence and retaliatory shootings. Tell me, you know, when, when you set out to do this work and, you know, 
meeting with these different members of the community. How did you weigh the pros, which would be the good that could come out of it, with the cons, which could be legitimizing a group or, or really giving a group responsible for violence even more power? That's a good question. And then I think about the bodies of those who lie in the streets. And they all look pretty much in Durham one way. So you're asking me as a black mother of black sons, what choice do I make? Do I try to engage with them? Or do I turn away from them because of what other people think? They look just like my sons. And so I make that choice. So what are your thoughts on city leaders, including the mayor, working with gang members, admitting that she's doing that? I'm not going to sit here and second guess the mayor. She, she has her agenda, um, and she is the elected mayor of the community. I, I, I mean, I've heard from several people in the community myself. Some don't like it. You know, some people say, hey, at least she's trying. That's former Durham County Sheriff Mike Andrews. But I don't want the, the mayor to, to um, send the wrong message either, um, because if she doesn't stop the violence, you know, then it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to backfire. And why is that? I, I, why do you think it would backfire if it if doesn't she doesn't work? stop the violence and more people and she's meeting with the gang is her are her meetings are they taking what she's saying are they trusting her uh, are they believing in her um, if she's meeting with them or uh, to stop and if it does not stop i feel she'll lose a lot of credibility and i think i think the world of, of mary o'neill i do I, I want her to be successful i want uh, the police chief to be successful um, but, you know, we've got to do something in the community. Uh, our leaders do. A Durham leader we'll hear from next is Durham County District Attorney Satana DeBerry. What we know is that if we focus on the most vulnerable people in our community, right, the people who need access to education, people who need access to health care, really access to mental health, we can really turn things around. But that requires us to invest in those things. Uh, we are very used to investing on the accountability side and not a lot of investment on the prevention side. More after the break. Your heart. It's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists, talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before Satana DeBerry became Durham County District Attorney, she was a criminal defense attorney early in her career, then worked for the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services as executive director of the North Carolina Housing Coalition. She's seen many aspects of the criminal justice system, and she knows all too well the impact of violence on families. Her mother's youngest sister was murdered. DeBerry came into office promising to address problems of racial bias in the criminal justice system, including a different approach to dealing with low-level crimes. The low-level things, the things that we think have led to mass incarceration in the United States, right? The thing that destabilizes communities, the over-prosecution of black and brown people, the things that really we think got us where we are now, uh, the collateral consequences of those things, uh, that we put them we put more thought into diverting those things from court um, and really using prosecution for only the most serious and violent crimes. District Attorney DeBerry has said she is tough on violent crime. And this is something we get into in the documentary Durham Under Fire. But we asked, how is she proving that to the public? WREL pulled the felony conviction rates for Durham County. These are people convicted as charged not people who plead to lesser charges or take plea deals. Looking at 38 different kinds of violent felonies, including rape, robbery, and assault, Durham has a conviction rate of 37%. Wake County had a conviction rate of 61%. Statewide, it's 49%. We've interviewed a lot of people mm -hmm. for this documentary, and it comes as no surprise to you. I'm, you hear it all the time. I've read interviews you've done. People say you are not tough on violent crime. They say it all the time. So other than saying, yes, I am, how are you proving that to the community? Well, I think we're proving it by the, to the community by our outcomes in these individual cases. I mean, we have moved uh, more homicide cases in the three years that I have been district attorney than uh, previous DA moved. We pay attention to our law enforcement. We've had, we have regular uh, roundtable discussions with them, regular meetings with them, something that has never happened before in Durham County. We meet regularly with the families of homicide victims. Um, I think each individual victim or family victim knows more about their case than they might have known before. Um, and so I don't know that conviction numbers are the way to prove it, and I'm not sure that we're trying to be uh, something that other people were. Right? We are trying to look at this system in a completely different way. We are trying to be, hold people accountable for what they have done um, 
and we have a range of accountabilities for that. But for the most serious and violent crimes, I don't think that there's any indication that we haven't done a good job. DeBerry has said the publicly available data where WRAL pulled the data is flawed, and she doesn't focus on felony conviction rates. DeBerry said in the interview that individual case outcomes show how her office is holding violent offenders accountable. She also said high felony conviction rates don't equal a safer community. This documentary is not just talking about how bad the problem is. We do want to hear solutions. What, what do you think some solutions are to gun violence? So what we know are solutions to gun violence in the immediate that are happening right now are just basic safety issues, right? Things like more access to parks and outside lighting and a real actual uh, presence of police when bad things happen. Not just blanketing a community with police presence, but real responses um, when bad things happen that people can see and actual clearance rates, right? So we know that clearance rates, not just in Durham, but nationwide are very low for homicide cases. When people get caught, and prosecuted, um, then that makes a difference. But prosecution takes such a long time, just the prosecution itself um, is not enough. We know that more investment in children and uh, poor families makes a difference. Communities of color that are overly policed won't better police. So they're not just asking for more police presence, they're asking for real responses to the issues uh, and the crime that they see in their community, and they want to be part of that. Next, I wanted to hear from former Sheriff Mike Andrews. So I'm asking your opinion. I, I realize you're no longer sheriff, but in your opinion, what needs to be done? What do they need to be doing? Well, it, won't, it wouldn't be the most politically correct thing to do today because everybody, you know, you got the defund the police groups. Um, but our agencies, I mean, you have ATF, you have SBI, you have sheriff, you have police. There needs to be a message sent, um, okay, we're going to start rounding up some of these violent offenders, and we're going to bring them and arrest them and bring them to jail. Um, I think whatever offenders they take, um, they, they need to arrest and they need to take them to federal court in Greensboro because the bonding system here in, in our community, it, it appears that as soon as an individual is arrested, um, they're released back, right back on the street as a revolving door. That revolving door was a common concern among people we interviewed for the doc. But we don't have numbers showing violent offenders are being released back on the street. So you think violent criminals need to be arrested and, and, and charged? I think there are evil people that live in this community. But the majority of this community wants to live in peace. And that covers all backgrounds throughout this community. And evil people that have evil desires or evil intent to harm innocent people, especially children, there's a place that has been built for those individuals to be housed until uh, justice in the courtroom to be served. And that is to be administered in a courtroom by a judge and a jury. So jail, prison. So why is that controversial? Why is what you're saying controversial? It shouldn't be. But you think it is? But I think it is. I mean, in Durham, 
was last year we had defund the police. Uh, you got police officers and deputies and detention officers who are leaving the community because they don't feel that they're supported by their elected leaders. Former Sheriff Andrews believes that's part of why Durham police have had trouble with recruitment and retention. You can hear more about that issue in episode two of this series called On Patrol. But there is one thing that Andrews and pretty much everyone I spoke to for this series agree on the need for more opportunities for young people to have better and legal options to support themselves and their families. We'll end with a question I posed to Councilman Middleton. It was before we had settled on the name Durham Under Fire for the documentary. So we may be calling this Defend Durham. We may be calling the doc Defend Durham, working title. What does that mean to you, Defend Durham? Defend Durham means first you understand what Durham is. Durham is not an accidental hodgepodge of streets. It's not a couple of choice locations that are popular with tourists. Durham is a spirit. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tightly knit mosaic, a group of communities that's black, white, poor, uh, straight, gay, uh, Asian, uh, brown, uh, multinational, multilingual, that has decided that we will create this oasis right in the middle of North Carolina. So defending Durham is not only romantically looking back at our past, it is making sure that the recipe, that, that, that mixture, that cocktail that makes us so special is preserved and extended for future generations as well. Gun violence is only part of our story, but it's just part of the story we have to address. But all the other stuff about Durham is just as true as well. And what Durham, defending Durham is, is just being a radical truth teller. We are an it city. We are the spot, that's the truth. The other truth is that we have a gun violence problem. We have a, a wealth disparity problem. And, uh, and both things can be true at the same time and we can still be a fantastic city moving forward into the future while still addressing our problems, truthfully. This has been the fourth and final podcast companion episode to the WRAL documentary, Durham Under Fire. Follow the Doc team on social at WRAL Docs for updates. Remember, you can watch the documentary on WRAL's YouTube channel. Be sure to like and subscribe. Follow the WRAL Doc podcast in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss future episodes. For more podcasts from WRAL News and Capital Broadcasting Company, go to WRAL.com and search podcast. This podcast was hosted and reported by me, Kristen Severance. Jay Jennings recorded the interviews, and Rachel McCarthy produced the episode. Thanks for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. 
Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.